Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. We are here on buffalorumblings.com as part of the Buffalo Rumblings family of Bills podcasts. Here on Believe, we are so glad that you made the decision to listen to us, Jamie D'Amico and John Boccasino. Of course, I'm John. He's Jamie. Welcome, buddy. Good to have you back. (laughs) It's good to be here, man. We survived the snow and the cold here in D.C., the Buffalo Bills punched their ticket to the playoffs. Life is good, right? Fourth playoff appearance in the last five years. Third straight for those Buffalo Bills. It was really, you know, Jamie, we had talked on the uh, Falcons preview podcast, and there's a couple things I want to get to about that game real quick before we uh, get to our Jets preview. But it was interesting when the news came out uh, at the stadium that, The Bills had clinched a playoff berth based on A, beating the Falcons, and B, the Rams edging the Baltimore Ravens in a comeback. It was kind of a, no, not kind of, it was a very ho-hum celebration, you know? And and the, the people I was with, one of my buddies was really excited, like, yeah, we're back, we're in the playoffs, but I feel like for the most part... Uh, we've we've taken that for granted now that expectations are so high that the playoffs are the baseline. Well, that's that's a hundred percent true, and it's because the Bills have turned themselves into a consistent winner, are potentially a model franchise these days. You know, you look at teams that are are, are trying to build themselves, and they say that Buffalo is the template. Yeah. I mean, it has seeped in. Do you remember back in the day when the comeback playoff game was blacked out locally because the stadium didn't sell out? That's what happens when you're really good. People do take things for granted. People said, you know what? The Bills didn't win their division. We don't think that they're going to go too far in the playoffs. We're not even going to show up to the stadium. Well, I was one who did and did not leave. But anyway, yeah, we're getting (laughs) spoiled. If you want to hear more about the uh, thoughts of Jamie about why the Bills are a model franchise, I implore you to check out Jamie and Big Newt's podcast from this past week as part of the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. Uh, nice, it was dropped. You're welcome. It was a, it was a very well thought out episode and, and of course had some great thoughts and it really you know is emblematic of where this franchise is that just and, and I love how um, you know, I, I like the holidays, not to go off on a tangent, I but I, who doesn't like a good celebration? Who doesn't like cleansing their palate from one year to the next with the celebration known as New Year's Eve? And to me, New Year's Eve will never be better than when we get to see all the replays of the Tyler Boyd, Andy Dalton touchdown and the Buffalo Bills going nuts in that locker room <laughs> when the playoff berth got clinched in 2017. But how cool was that? And we get to relive that moment every single New Year's Eve. I absolutely love it. Um, remember exactly where I was wearing a tux because I was going out that night. Well, tux, bow tie, whatever you want to call it. Also, my birthday. Unfortunately, this year, my 46th birthday will forever be remembered as the day Betty White died. Ah, rip Betty White. Although you'll be proud to know, Jamie, that they did play the Golden Girls theme song after Buffalo's last touchdown uh, in the win over the Falcons, and the whole place was just going nuts. How perfect is that? How perfect is that? Oh. They really they know what they're doing when it comes to their game day operations. And I kind of wish it had been after the first touchdown, but hey, we'll take it. Because <laughs> you got to celebrate a living, uh, you celebrate a legend and a, a life well lived as Betty White had. 
But going back to what you said, do you like that we have high expectations or do you dislike the fact that we don't have that level of excitement? Do you like knowing that the bills are going to be good? Yeah, I do. I, I welcome the expectations. I mean, I, you know, and the receipts are out there to prove it and how wrong I was with the Bills going 14 and three during the regular season. They're going to come up a full three games short of that if they win on Sunday against the Jets. So you can at me at John Boccasino for uh, being a horrible uh, prophet when it comes to how the team was going to play out this year. But I, I welcome the expectations because, you know, if you ask the Patriots fans who have reigned over the division, for you know, 20 of the last 21 years, they welcomed the pressure because it meant that you're a good team, a great team that was supposed to do well and contend for a championship. And the Bills, you know, this is this kind of uh, parlays, Jamie, off of your, your question to me. I have seen so many people say that they want this Bills playoff game. If the Bills are able to knock off the Jets, which they should, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But people are clamoring for the 1 p.m game, whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday. And to me, I actually really want that Monday night or this, the evening Sunday game against the Patriots, because that's when they put the best football teams on to be broadcast. We had all those 1 p.m. games for 17 playoff list seasons. Let's freaking show the world what Buffalo Bills football is all about. Prime time, baby. I like where your head's at. I don't want to see the Bills have to play on Monday night and then play a second playoff game on short rest. Fact. That's where I am with it. Well, hopefully they would give them, you know, the the late Sunday game if they had the Monday night. Uh, there's First of all, there's no way the NFL, would they turn around and give the Bills the Saturday early game after playing Monday night? I just don't think you can do that for competitive balance. Typically, I would say no, but we are talking about the Buffalo Bills here. Yeah, I I, I see the point. I just feel like we'll, we're going to bring numbers to whatever time slot they put the Bills in. So you would think that you would almost, I mean, how many of the games from the playoffs last year? I, I got to imagine the Bills had the highest rated games that they played in outside of the Super Bowl. I don't have numbers on that. Uh, that that would be that would be interesting to compare because while they're an exciting team, they're also from a small market. So you know if you're comparing that to let's see, I, I don't know a, a a bigger who who was a, a big city that went deep last year? Uh not, not Green, Green Bay. Bay, Tampa. Eh. Tampa, based on pure numbers, uh, Tampa is quite a bit bigger. So I I would think that they would be able to draw more eyeballs just based on that. You know, neither team has a a real national following, not like Green Bay or Dallas. Interesting thought you've got right there. I want to back up a minute, though. Sure. I want to split hairs on something that you said about being dreadfully wrong when you predicted the Bills record this year. If the Bills had won every game that they lost by one score or less, they would be 15 and one. So were you really that wrong? I know Bill Bill Parcells says you are whatever your record is, but isn't this the mark of a team that is very competitive and with a couple more lucky bounces, they are 15 and one? Oh, absolutely. No, and I I liked, um, I'm glad you referenced that, that graphic uh, that was making the way on the the Twitters where if the if the every one score game had gone in an opposite 
direction, um, the opposite result, the Bills would have been 15 and one and the one seed clearly in the AFC. The uh, number two seed would have been the Colts at 12 and four. Then the the Chiefs, Bengals, and Broncos and Patriots all at ten and six, and the Browns at nine and seven. It was a fascinating study, Jamie, because you know you look at the NFC side of it. The Eagles and Cardinals would have been tied at eleven and five, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at six and ten. Uh, if their one score games had gone opposite direction, that just goes to show that, like you had mentioned last week when I asked you about. Uh, why the Falcons were seven and two and the Bills were zero and five in one score games? It's pure luck. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Although I have to say, in Tampa, it probably says something about their ability to turn it on when they need to, because we've all seen Brady's ability to do those backbreaking drives where he goes eighty yards in ninety seconds and scores. Um, but. Yeah, it it does go in a variety of different directions based on where the ball rolls once it hits the ground or when the ball is tipped up into the air. Perfect example, the third interception that Josh Allen threw. That ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage and went right into the stomach of their linebacker. I mean, what are the chances? There's only 11 guys on the field. What are the chances that you're going to tip it directly to one of the 10 others on a field that's a hundred yards long by 33 wide. You know, it's, it, you're right. It's all, it's all right time, right place. There were a lot, there were a lot of fluky plays. Um, I know Josh Allen is um, not, got ripped a little bit for the three interception performance in the win over the Falcons. Um, I feel like two of them were not really his fault. One of them, Cole Beasley, it appeared ran the wrong route uh, that led to one of the interceptions and, you know, it's it's still, you know, I give credit to the Bills for realizing that instead of forcing the square peg into the round hole with the passing game not working, they turn to the running attack. And that's where I want to mm-hmm. start off our preview here on Believe, because it was so great, Jamie, to see Devin Singletary go for a buck 10. Josh Allen ran for 80 yards. The offensive line was phenomenal in opening up the holes for the ground game as the Bills had a season high 233 yards. That is a type of running productivity. The Bills aren't going to get that every single week, but they need to have some modicum of success on the ground game to be a dangerous threat in the postseason. And I loved what Dable and the offensive team did in adjusting their game plan when passing was not working. One thing wasn't going their way. The other came to the forefront to save the day. The Bills ran it 44 times last week, which is the most we've seen them run the ball in many years. And Josh Allen, okay, I'm not sure I want him taking as many hits as he did, but he wasn't getting it done with his arm. Instead, he found another way. Brian Dable, changed things up. It was really, it was good coaching. How many coaches would look at it and say, doesn't matter if our quarterback isn't hitting his targets. We said we were going to throw the ball, so we're going to throw the ball. Because in the first quarter, they were getting 10-yard chunks on every single pass play, and then something changed. I don't know whether it was the defense or maybe Josh got a little cold, maybe got a little cocky. I, I don't know what it was running the ball that and so much of football or any sport or life in general, especially picking up women is about confidence and the bills are going to go into the playoffs with the confidence that they can run the ball. And I'm looking forward to that 
build on it against the Jets coming up. Please, head coach Sean McDermott and offensive coordinator Brian Dable, run the ball down the Jets' throat and make yourself look like a running team. Make them prepare for your run game in the playoffs. And it was great to get the consistency from both Devin Singletary, who I think not only numbers-wise, but vision, cutback ability, had the best game of his young professional career. And a lot of that credit has to go to the finally consistent offensive line, which has dealt with turnover upon turnover upon turnover amongst their starting five. The Bills have finally found their optimal, ideal starting lineup. And it all starts with Mitch Morris up center, the guards being Ryan Bates and Darrell Williams, and then at left tackle, Deion Dawkins, and right tackle, Spencer Brown. It was so great to see this unit gel and come together and be consistently productive for a Buffalo Bills team that really does need to establish the run. But Jamie, here's a stat for you that I kind of found uh, fascinating. Um, you know, everyone's making a big deal out of the Bills rushing for 233 against the Jets, but this is actually the fourth game in a row that Buffalo has run the ball extremely well. They're averaging 159 yards on the ground over their last four weeks with Devin Singletary getting 4.7 yards per carry. So it's not just Josh Allen that's finding success on the running plays. It's Devin Singletary. Even Zach Moss had two or three really nice runs last week. That's the kind of balanced offense the Bills are going to need. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, that the Bills have their tackles aligned in the proper positions. Because we all know Deion Dawkins is a far superior left tackle to Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown has been taking some lumps over at right tackle, but improving. In fact, early in the game, he made some mistakes against the Falcons, turned that around in the second half, and was a big reason that the Bills were running the ball well because he is very good at blocking on the move, getting downfield, hitting moving targets, that's not an easy skill. Hitting a moving target, you know, blocking them, at least turning them away from the play, he's doing it. And we knew that there were going to be bumps in the road. He's not going to be flawless in any game this year. But they may have found something good. Yeah, the Rick Bates, Ryan Bates experiment has been absolutely fantastic at left guard. And it gives Buffalo another depth piece And it moves John Feliciano back to where he deservedly should be as one of the options coming off the bench for this team and not as a starter. Dion was an absolute mauler uh, last week against the Falcons, as was Mitch Morse, who again is really rounding into form with his play leading this offensive line um, at center. It's been phenomenal to watch this development. It was great to watch the Bills win a game when at halftime in the stadium there was this murmur like, I can't believe the Bills are down 15-14. Granted, the whole game got off to an extremely fluky start after that three and out, and then Stevenson fumbles the punt, and it goes for a safety, and the stadium kind of gets all hush and quiet. But then the Bills go downfield and get two straight touchdowns from Josh Allen on the ground to go up 14-2. And the Falcons just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. I loved the resolve of this Buffalo Bills team that they showed in the third quarter in a game where, you know, I think many people expected the Bills to roll on a cakewalk. We both predicted easy double-digit victories and to be down at halftime 
Buffalo came out and was like, all right, we're just going to enforce our will and run this ball down your throats. And they totally did. O-line get all the credit. Singletary get all the credit. But Josh Allen, too, really making plays with his legs. And I expect a lot of that to continue against the Jets, Jamie, because the Jets are terrible against the run. They're 29th in the league. Now, granted, a lot of times they've been behind by so many points that the teams have just run the ball against them because they're running the clock. They're milking the clock. They're trying to seal off a win. But still, the Jets are just not good. And that's in spite of the fact that they've got some pretty talented, at least on paper, Players up front led by Quinnen Williams, the number three overall pick in 2019, Sheldon Rankins, who was a number 12 overall pick in 2016, and the big boy, Folo Fakasi, who is 318 pounds up the middle, along with John Franklin Myers. These guys are hogs, but they can be run on. Yes, they can. But part of the reason is at this point, they have just been decimated by injuries. Currently, not going to be on the field on defense. You've got defensive end, Vinnie Curry. You've got uh, LaMarcus Joyner, safety, defensive end, Carl Lawson. Uh, One of my favorite non-Bills players, Marcus May, safety. He's excellent. He's not going to be on the field either. They're missing a lot of players. And while we're talking about it, um, they have a great left tackle in Mekhi Becton. I, I think this guy is going to be great for years to come. He is out, and old friend Connor McDermott is going to be starting in his place. The Bills have two, uh, uh, there's two Bills castoffs that are going to be starting on offense for the Jets, both Connor McDermott and tight end Tyler Croft. Oh, don't forget about Shaq Lawson. Oh, God, I forgot about Shaq Lawson. You're right. Man, yeah, there's because Shaq is stepping up for one of the injuries along the defensive line for the Jets, who their whole defense, they have a lot of potential up front. But really, the the straw that stirs their defensive drink is linebacker C.J. Mosley. He is a force of nature. He is a beast to be reckoned with. And I, I, I give the Jets a lot of credit for one thing, for having four wins on the year. They had every right to knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they should have defeated the reigning Super Bowl champions last week. They had a 24 to 10 lead and let it slip through their fingers. Tom Brady, no timeouts, 93 yard touchdown drive capped by a touchdown pass to his fifth string receiver. The Jets performed very well, though, Jamie. This is, you know, as much as I think we're both attacking this like the Bills are going to win, the Jets showed a lot of fight last week, especially in the running game where they held Leonard Fournette to three yards per carry on 21 total rushes. That is a very solid defensive performance against one of the better backs in the league. So you have to ask, why does that happen? And the fact of the matter is when bad teams are playing good teams, as Tampa is a good team, sometimes the bad team is just up for it. And other times, the good team lays an egg. And that's what happened last week with those two teams. Also, it is the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody. That was proven when Jacksonville beat the Bills. Still so pissed about that. Um, But that's what it was. The Bucs were flat. The Jets were flying. No pun intended. And... 
they the Jets they still couldn't pull it off. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, the the Jets had every opportunity to, and the the Bucks, the better teams find a way, no matter how much you're down by, to come back and rally and get those victories. And with the weather being again less than ideal. Uh, in Western New York, as we are sitting here recording this podcast, I like to be your chief meteorologist and the forecast for Sunday, a high of 40 during the day, mind you, this is a 425 PM game. So really let's consider it nighttime, 17 degrees at night. It's going to be occasional rain becoming windy with some snow in the afternoon, 20 to 30 mile an hour gusts of wind, chance of precipitation 70%. That's where I feel like if you don't want to be on the football field, if you're just playing to get to the end of the regular season, those elements are going to scare the shit out of you. And I think Buffalo is motivated. They're hungry. They could rise to be the number two or the number three seed in the AFC if they get a couple of breaks to go their way. And with the Bengals sitting Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Mixon, and a bunch of other talented players, you know, there's no guarantee they're going to beat the Browns, uh, who might be a better team with Case Keenum under center than Baker Mayfield. So the Bills have all the motivation. I don't see any way that they have a letdown. And it feels like this Jets defense they had their best moment of the year and they still lost to the Buccaneers. What is that going to mean then on Sunday when a team that needs to win this and the the Broncos the, the Bucks also had that fiasco with Antonio Brown, that unbelievable scene when he just walks off the field. Like that was such a surreal experience to see that happening. I don't see the Bills having a letdown against the Jets even though it's hard to beat a divisional team twice. I think everything points towards Buffalo winning this matchup. What scares you about the Jets defense, Jamie? (sighs) Does anything scare you about their defense? CJ Mosley does. You know, he's a guy who he plays downhill. He plays fast. He's a hard hitter. Um, You know, they they have pretty good linebackers. Uh, Bryce Hall is a pretty good corner. Um, The thing that scares me, is not their defense as much as it's the Bills' offense if they're not clicking. And it's to me, this game is about the Bills. It's not about the Jets. If the Bills play their game, the Jets' defense doesn't stand a chance. I mean, if the Bills are playing well on offense, who does stand a chance against them these days? Uh, so when I look at who the who the defense is running out onto the field, I... I feel like the Bills are rounding into shape right now. They're poised to make a deep postseason run, and the Jets just don't have the horses to run with it. And I, I realize that I'm I'm punting on your question of what of what concerns me, but nothing really does. And I don't want to sound cocky, but they're the Jets. They've won four games. And there's a reason they've won four games. They have a woeful defense. They have rotated quarterbacks. And this will be Zach Wilson's first career start against the Buffalo Bills. And before we get to the Jets offense against the Bills defense, I want to focus on one more thing that should give Josh Allen and Brian Dable a lot of confidence. Even though Emmanuel Sanders has been ruled out for the game on Sunday, he really has become a less of a, more of a non-factor, if you will, in Buffalo's aerial attack. It's been way more Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis. Um, and look for a big bounce back game, by the way, from Dawson Knox, who the Falcons did a great job neutralizing the big tight end for the Bills. I think he's going to have a field day against the Jets linebackers. But 
Josh Allen, if he takes what the Jets defense gives him, he could mimic what Tom Brady did last week. Tom Brady realized the deep ball was not working. He found Gronkowski, I think, for 11 or 12 receptions, but he was completely surgical when it came to passes that were 10 or so yards in the air. 24 of 29 against the Jets. If Josh is patient and takes what's available in front of him and doesn't force the deep ball like he tried to do against the Falcons, you're right. This Bills offense, with the way the running game has become resurgent, is going to be really hard to stop. And if you've got those strong wins, you don't really want to be throwing downfield anyway. Um, so, you know, if if the Jets are selling out to stop the run, I am confident in the Bills' ability to throw the ball zero to 20 yards downfield. Because, you know, the book on Josh Allen is to try to keep the game in front of you and make him impatient. But I don't think he feels like he's got to win this one himself. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, flipping the script here on Believe, Jamie, we are talking with Jamie D'Amico, getting you ready for Buffalo's first ever Week 18 game. The Bills have a simple uh, situation in front of them. If they win, they win the AFC East for the second straight year. It's the first time if the Bills do that, that they would have clinched back-to-back divisional crowns since winning four straight from 1988 to 1991. And if they win at home, it'll be their first time celebrating a divisional championship at home since 1995. It's been a long time coming. Jamie, that seems kind of surreal that it's been that long since the Bills had a home divisional title to celebrate. Doesn't it though? Oh my gosh. And I, I think this is something that the fans are going to enjoy. It's a, it's a four o'clock start and people have a, have a way of getting a little bit more excited for those games. 
<laughs> I wonder what causes that, John. It's going to be like a de facto night game with the uh, the way that the sun goes down around 445 in these parts. Uh, so the NFL gifted Buffalo a second home primetime game during the regular season. Somebody that this game should not be fun for is rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. Now, he has actually bounced back fairly nicely from a sluggish start to his rookie season. Um, he is going on a streak of 135 straight attempts without being picked off. Bold prediction. That streak's going to come to an end on Sunday. Totally. He is going to make a, a big mistake, and I guarantee you he tries throwing down the middle of the field. By the way, saw a great graphic today posted by Bruce Nolan on Twitter. How many receptions have opposing teams made against the Bills in the deep middle of the field? Have you seen this graphic? I have. It's glorious. I want to take it home and marry it. That's how beautiful it is. <laughs> the number of receptions on the deep middle of the field against the Buffalo Bills defense is zero. 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 Tell us more about that, Jamie, because that is unbelievable. That tells you that, number one, teams are not testing the Bills down the middle. The other thing that means is when they do that, guess who's back there? Ball hawking and knocking it away. That would be Micah Hyde. We know that Micah Hyde changes the way teams attack the Bills defense. And this is a ridiculous, ridiculous statistic. No no safety that I'm aware of has quite that amount of influence on an entire section of the field. It's happened through the years, but this guy. Here's how great Micah Hyde has been. Yes, zero against Micah Hyde over the deep middle part of the field. The NFL average, 83 across the deep middle of the field. It's unbelievable. It's absurd. It's preposterous. It's a Micah Hyde appreciation moment right there for you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's well-deserved. Uh, obviously, you know, he doesn't deserve to make the Pro Bowl or anything, but hey. <laughs> well, give, who are we? Yeah, right. I mean, come on. Given the fact that Josh Allen was an All-Pro last year, Micah Hyde should be an All-Pro every year along with Jordan Poyer, but he's not, and the team has to take that out and take their aggression out on the New York Jets, uh, the Jersey Jets, as we should call them from this here forward, since, again, the only team that plays in the state of New York are your Buffalo Bills. Zach Wilson is going to have a very difficult matchup against the Bills on Sunday. He is without one of his huge playmaking wide receivers, uh, somebody Elijah Moore, who has been a fantastic find uh, for the Jets. The rookie uh, is, has, is out. He's going to miss this matchup against Buffalo. Um, so the Bills really seem to have an edge. And by the way, Sean McDermott, as much as Bill Belichick gets credit for doing well against rookie quarterbacks, McDermott's right there with him. He is mm -hmm. six and yeah. three in his career against rookie signal callers. And the Bills currently have the third best scoring defense in all the NFL. It lines up for a long day for the Jets. Oh, it really does. And it's going to be very interesting to watch Zach Wilson try to negotiate what's going on. Now, the dude is, he's pretty calm in the pocket. He moves pretty well, but he also makes bad decisions. And he... He bounces a lot of passes that he, he throws some, he throws some bad balls. Uh, he also, he holds the ball on average, like three seconds, uh, which is like the third longest hold time before a throw in the NFL. 
I see the Bills actually getting to the quarterback in this game. And you might see guys like uh, A.J. Epinesa and uh, Greg Rousseau, who have been very quiet recently, stepping up and, and actually bringing the quarterback down because he's going to be confused by the coverage that the Bills are going to throw at him. And I am going to be... I'm going to be there for it, man. Oh, at show me all of that love when it comes to the front four, getting after Zach Wilson, taking advantage of an offensive line that can be had. The Bills should th- have their way with the uh, the Jets uh, with the pass rush, and everything seems to match up well for the Buffalo Bills in this rotational matchup here, the second of their matchups against the Jets to close out the season. Jamie, in this Week 18 matchup, what's your score prediction bound to go right for this week? Well, I see the Bills getting at the opposite of last week. When I predicted the Bills would get off to a slow start, I think they're going to get off to a quick start this time, and they're going to pull some starters in the second half. So I I think the Bills will march out to about a uh, 24-point lead. I think the Bills will probably end up winning uh, 30-13. to All right. Love it. A 17-point victory as the Bills would wrap up another AFC East championship. I'm going to go Buffalo Bills 37, New York Jets 13. I like your 13-point scoring margin out there. I think the Bills will give up a garbage time score. I think that Zach Wilson is going to get picked off at least twice, maybe three times against a hungry defense. Would love to see a nice route at Highmark Stadium as the Bills go into the playoffs on a high streak, winning four straight for the first time this year. This is a huge game for the Bills because then if the Bills win, it doesn't matter what happens in South Beach with the Patriots and the Dolphins. The Bills will be the divisional champions. And Jamie, like you said, I am all here for it. (laughs) <laughs> and you'll be there, won't you? Oh, heck yeah. We will be. We're hoping. I mean, if we win on Sunday, we'll get another, you know, get a wild card game at least. And we'll be there for that one as well. And we'll have all of your breakdowns of the Buffalo Bills playoff games here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. If you want to get involved with us, make sure you tweet us. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino on Twitter. You can also tweet at Buff Rumblings and mention Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Jamie, thanks as always for your insights. We appreciate it. Hey, man, I'm here for you. Love it, buddy. Love it. And we love the Buffalo Bills. Go out there, listen to the rest of our podcasts on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. And of course, go Bills. 